When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. always seems to get involved, doesn't he? I'm telling you, too many coconuts have hit him right on top of the skull. Well, I think uh, Anthony will be a great acquisition. He can do it all. Avery, whose show is this? Welcome everybody here to the Lakers Lounge. I'm Anthony Irwin, today joined by somebody who I had on the pod forever ago, continues to write about really interesting things, and I keep meaning to have him back onto the pod. And uh, for whatever reason, it just hasn't come to fruition quite yet. But uh, this person is legitimately one of the most creative people I know. Um, he writes uh, for the New York Times, but he has a novel out. He has a memoir out, and he just recently uh, or, or had a a play staged uh, out there in New York. Because yeah, like we're just running laps around people at this point. So Pan Deb uh, of the Times, thank you very much for hopping on with me. Uh, and and uh, and and it, like at some point, it'd be it'd be nice if you just like slowed down just a little bit, just a, you know, just a little. Who can sleep with all this excitement? <laughs> who, who can who can who can sleep? Who has time for something now? How you been, man? How you doing? Good. Thank you so much for having me. It's always a pleasure. Um, you know, I'm I'm star for NBA talk. It's like it's like it's August, so it's like the dead zone for the NBA right now. So well, it's it's not only is it August, but it's the first August we've had in years. Yes, like where you know what I mean. Like we had uh, because the pandemic pushed the one season way back. They launched the next season like the next business day, so you didn't really have an off season that you know a couple of years ago. And then there was another off season after that one that was only a couple months long. So this is the first off season where we it's like a full on, full length off season. And yeah, I am just sitting here rewatching Harry Potter. I guess like we just like there's. There's nothing that I, I I actually have to talk to my family. I have to be a father. It's, it's it, this is just weird. I don't know what to do here. <laughs> yeah, man. You know, and, and not not just um, uh, you know, not just that it's the off season. It's like it's been a kind of quiet off season in the grand scheme of things, right? Like, yeah. Um. There was you know a lot of talk about Dame and et cetera, but like what was the biggest off season splash this summer? It's probably is it Chris Stapps to the Celtics? I really can't think I guess. of. It hasn't been like do you Austin remember Reeves resigning? Yeah, Austin Reeves resigning. Mm-hmm. Do you remember the summer of 2019 when I think it was I think it was 2019, like Kemba goes to the Celtics, KD and Kyrie go to the Nets. I think Kawhi and Paul George go to the Clippers. Like, and that's like three of twenty such move. I think Westbrook yeah. moved that summer. Um Chris Paul, I think, moved that summer. I think I don't remember. But well, that was crazy. Now it's like, what happened this summer? Like, it was Chris Tapps, Porzingis, who made an all-star team once. And then everything else has been kind of Dame. 
Like is Dame will he will they won't they? You know, and that's that's oh James Harden I guess, but even that's like he hasn't gone anywhere. Yeah, yeah, it, it, it was like it was. It, this was kind of unique in that like the offseason took place and then stopped, like and then you, the, the NBA world stopped because Dame requested the trade and James Harden started with his like kind of annual nonsense and stuff. And, uh, yeah, it, it has been like, I've, I've been waiting for the Lakers to sign Christian Wood, or at least like come to an agreement with Christian Wood for like two weeks now, just so I can put a wrap on all of my off season, uh, analysis Christian and stuff. Wood. Like it's come to that where it's August and you're like, I really got to find out what's happening. with Christian Wood. I, I and must, I keep I trying. I must know. <laughs> I must know which team is giving Christian Wood the minimum to complain. Yeah, yeah. It, it, I, I don't normally have this kind of infatuation about Christian Wood until like December, right? Until we all do a lot more praying than usual. But um, yeah, I, I am. Uh, the reason I wanted to talk to you today, though, uh, there's a lot going on, kind of in in very niche corners of the niche corners of of kind of the NBA universe and. Um, Ethan Strauss and Andrew Marchand wrote recently about uh, the changes going on at ESPN and how they might relate to uh, the NBA kind of applying a little bit more pressure to ESPN because the NBA has more leverage than it has in years past because of some of the issues that we're seeing at Disney. Um, and then, you know, this came on the heels of while I was in Vegas, uh, this was a couple weeks ago, uh, you put out a piece for the Times about a like boot camp that former players are going to to learn how to be analysts and stuff, and um, I, I find all of this really interesting, and I think it all really ties in together. and And I really wanted to start with the piece itself because the response to it caught you by surprise. It felt like, and in my back and forth with you. You, I, I, you know, I kind of recall you going like, I, I'm, why are people surprised by this? So like, what, what caught you by surprise there? All right. So the crux of the story is that the NBA players union runs this program. They've run it for decades uh, where they teach current and former players on how to be a broadcaster. Mm -hmm. right? And as part of that camp, they part, part of the camp includes kind of training players on how to be hot take artists you know be mm -hmm. train them to be part of debate shows like what skip bayless does and um, you know first take and kendrick perkins etc and people took that part of it and and they got like mad that the union was doing this and i found that to be so odd because it's like well what like it's just it's just a program to help players get jobs after 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 they're done playing or maybe even yeah. now or whatever and okay so that's one part of it the second part of it is people are really, you know, got mad, like, you know, the hot take, blah, blah, blah is, let me tell you something, man. People, you know, constantly always say, oh, we want, like, we don't want hot takes. We, want, we don't, we want, like, you know, listen, man, if, 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 like, if that was the case, and I say this with all due respect to, like, John Hollinger and, and the Nate Duncans of the world, like, you know, those guys, those guys, like, can you imagine if first take was hosted by Nate Duncan, John Hollinger and like Zach Lowe, <laughs> like, right. Like who, who, Zach is good on those shows though. Like Zach is legitimately I, I good on those shows, all those guys. but like I as a seasoning, you know, but like, <laughs> but like, 
Everyone says that. But then the num- the shows that bring in the actual numbers, the high mm-hmm. reading shows are not, you know, uh, you know, let's break down the the VORP of of the yeah. you know, VORP NBA Friday VORP, you know, breakdown. That's not what it is. <laughs> it's not that's, that's not what it brings in numbers. If you look at the high yeah. reading shows, it's the Stephen A. Smith. If you go to Fox Sports One, it's it's um whatever Skip Bayless's show is. And 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 so People are complaining about those shows, but they consume those shows at the same time. If yeah. if 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 there was, you know, it's like a very free market situation where if people really wanted like this, the kind of hot, you know, like this this nuanced kind of breakdown of X's and O's, you know, there would be those shows would do better, you know, like you know, I, I don't know, I just, um, I, you know, so I was just kind of surprised. Yeah. But leaving aside, leave all that aside, I was just surprised that people were like like bashing the union for for having this program in place to help you know current former players get jobs you know it's like yeah i that i didn't sense as much like the annoyance that i had because i do kind of wish that we had something other than like you know old white guy, black guy screaming at each other. And that is like the, you know, that's, that's basically like the, the crux of every daytime sports show right now. Right. And, um, and I wish that, you know, we had something else to offer, but you know, all that said, Levitard made this point the other day and, um, it's been hard to like, not think of it this way, but he said that, you know, the people who were watching daytime sports television, um, think of them as like the Jerry Springer audience <laughs> like, and of, of like sports fandom. And, and I, you know, I, I, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna paint with a broad brush there, but I, I kind of understand what he's talking about. Like the, the people who wish that they had more nuance there um, it, are the people who probably have their own content that they wish people would be taking in. Right. Twitter at the end of the day winds up being like, a bunch of content creators talking to each other about their content, right? And trying to plug their content. Twitter makes up such a small aspect of the, the, the sports conversation, the sports universe. And, and I did notice that like, this was, I think to your point, one of those spots where Twitter really doesn't represent the real world, right? Twitter, you're going to have a lot of people saying like, man, I really wish we could have like more Tim Legler and, and more of that stuff. And it's like, the point of it it kind of misses the point of those shows. The point of the show isn't to be right. No, like like the point of the show. One, (laughs) they have one. Okay. So I talked to to be entertaining. Rob Parker, who's been a long time kind of debate format, dude. Mm -hmm. I think he was on ESPN for a long time. Now he's at Fox sports. He has a radio show. Chris Broussard. He's like, he gives this a piece of advice to the players and the piece of advice. And it really stuck with me. He gives me that he goes, um, you don't ever have to worry about being wrong. Do not worry about being wrong. There's if actually you, money in being wrong. A well, lot of it. He's like, listen, if you guys were right about this is sports, it doesn't matter. Yeah. And if you guys were right, okay, you wouldn't be on TV. You'd be at you'd be at the slots. You'd be you'd be gambling. Okay. Yeah. You'd get rich off that. Okay. Don't ever worry about being right. Remember, their job is not to be right or wrong. Their job is to be entertaining. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like that's that's the job. And 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 so, to that end, and then whether you find that entertaining or not, look, is it is it my type of thing? It's not, but you know, Rob kind of brought brought the crystallizes point for me. It's like, 
it's sports. You know, we're talking about we're talking about sports. You know, from mm-hmm. from the actual product perspective, it doesn't matter, right? Yeah. Like you're a Lakers fan, man. If the Lakers win the championship, you'll be happy as like a fan, but it doesn't really materially affect your life that much, right? It's a kind of a, it's a it's a distraction. Well, I'm somewhat different because like the Lakers being good helps my ratings, which does material help my help my sure. life. But like but, but others, like, other Laker yeah. fans who are listening, like it doesn't actually impact their day to day. No, it, and, and I'm not saying that like the Lakers aren't important to fans or, or the Celtics yeah. or, or whatever. I'm just saying at the end of the day, sports is entertainment. It's a distraction. And so yeah. so the punditry surrounding it more than more often than not is not gonna be particularly serious. It's just it's just how it is. And that's there's a reason that unserious punditry kind of gets the biggest ratings, you know what I mean? Yeah, well, it was. It's been interesting the 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 last couple of days. The big controversy in sports because there just aren't isn't very much sports right now. But you know, the women's national team uh, clear the group stage by tying Portugal, right? And they dance and they take pictures with family. And Carly Lloyd goes on Fox Sports and and like heavily criticizes them and says that that isn't what we stand for. And we expect more than to be happy with tying, right? And and I've found the response to that really interesting because she's saying a lot of the stuff that I feel like gets said by former players about, you know, current teams that like in baseball, you see these grand parties in the, in, in the clubhouse, whenever a team gets to the playoffs or officially like makes the playoffs or whatever. And, and, you know, you'll, you'll, you'll see the, the occasional former player step up and be like, why are you guys celebrating merely getting to the playoffs? You know, and, and I don't necessarily ridiculous, by the way, not, not, it the, is. not the celebration to get the playoffs. It's notion that, they sh- that it shouldn't be celebrated. Yeah, right. I, I, I agree. But I feel like the, the dunking on that doesn't go to the extent that I've noticed recently with Carly Lloyd. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, uh, one of my former colleagues, somebody I really respect, Sabrina uh, Merchant, who covers sure. women's uh, women's basketball for The Athletic, she and I will talk all the time. And it's just like, I'm always kind of surprised, for lack of a better term, at how polite women's coverage is, you know? And, and I found the response to Carly Lloyd, like straight up calling them out, really interesting because I felt like it was for lack of a better term at times, like almost paternal and I, I, and, and, and patronizing and, and, um, you know, with, with, you know, with the pundit punditry, I saw somebody on there saying like the point of journalism is never to be the story. And I'm like, Carly Lloyd's not a journalist though. Like we, what are we, what are we missing here? And, and like the response to your story really, really struck me because, um, the, the, the skill that these guys are learning isn't to be right about basketball, isn't to like be more right than the next person about basketball or learning how to research VORP or anything like that. The skill that they're actually honing is that entertainment aspect. So like most people on Twitter are going to say that Carly Lloyd screwed up at her job by having a bad take or whatever. But most TV people I feel like are going to be like, nope, Carly did her job really well because that was a two day conversation cycle about Carly Lloyd and about the show that she was on. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price. Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's cousin Kevin's kazoo concert in Kansas city, go Kevin or Becky's bachelorette bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place 
happy price. Go to your happy price, price line. So like, how do you, how do you think that like players should approach that? Like, do you think that is something that former players, is that a skill that you think former players should continue to hone? Or do you think we're ever going to reach a kind of an evolution point where like JJ Redick is really thoughtful. Draymond Green can be very thoughtful. Like, do you think we'll start to see that where those guys have had kind of meteoric, meteoric rises because they don't really delve into the hot take stuff? I think what makes someone a good analyst varies from person to first person. Okay. So, for example, Jay, what makes JJ Reddick great, and I do think he's an excellent, you know, he's actually quite thoughtful and 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 he breaks down the game, but he's also entertaining. What makes mm-hmm. JJ Reddick great is that he's you could tell he's not pulling punches, whether he is or is not, but you could tell he's going in there and he's saying things like, you know, he he's willing to kind of uh, he uh, called Mad Dog Russo a Fox News type of. Yeah, he, he's willing to <laughs> blast through yeah. the kind of um, yeah fake collegiality that we expect of our analysts, right? Yeah. And so that what makes him great is what is different than what I, what makes someone like Hubie Brown great, right? Like to me, Hubie Brown's also great, but Hubie Brown, what what makes him great to listen to on a broadcast to me is is his infectious joy for the game. Right. Yeah. And mm-hmm. and there's there's a real value to that, you know. But like if Hubie Brown suddenly tried to do what JJ Reddick does, it would be weird. It would be like, well, that's weird. That's you know. Um <laughs> what makes every, what I think makes to to me as a as a viewer is you know when someone's doing it for clicks and when someone is doing it to be honest. And I mm. think the core of a great analyst is you have to be true to yourself. Because I, I think viewers can can see through in inauthenticity. You know, mm-hmm. I really do. So, you know, what makes JJ Redick really good is not his, you know, willingness to dabble in analytics. And I mean, that's part of it. But he has a genuine passion for his points. And mm-hmm. that's what makes him interesting. And yeah. so, um, you know, he has a very, he has a genuine passion for ge- de- defending this generation of NBA players, um, genuine passion for defending stats. You know, yeah. uh, genuine passion for the game. Um, and so to me, that that's 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 what makes him a great analyst. But it all comes from one thing, which is honesty. And yeah, sometimes you feel you're watching these debate shows and it's like, well, someone had to take the contrary point here. And it doesn't feel like he's being genuine here. It feels yeah. like debate class. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and so those are the ones that that stuff turns me up. But also, I'm not the target audience here. Neither yeah. are you for that matter. Like you and I are not your average consumer of NBA content. You, you and I take in much more of it. So those shows aren't geared towards us. It's geared to far more kind of everyday um, people who aren't like trolling NBA Reddit. You know what I mean? Yeah. We, we are, you and I are not the people that those shows are, are meant to appeal to. Yeah. <laughs> Neither is Twitter at large, frankly. Like, <laughs> They're making those 30-second clips to try to get to Twitter, to, uh, Twitter and try to collect as many views as, as they can. But, but yeah, it, 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 uh, it kind of falls short there. But um, you mentioned, though, like the, the originality and how important it is that we feel like this is the, the, the genuine nature of whoever, whoever voice that we're talking about here, right? Like, as you were talking, Charles Barkley came to mind because Charles is, like, never not Charles. He's like, he refuses to like ever not be Charles Barkley. I'm sorry. If I, if I can just cut you off for a second. Yeah. That's, I mean, inside the NBA is a perfect example. Yeah. Like 
they, they sometimes they are so not knowledgeable about players that it's become a recurring segment. Uh, he's like, yeah, how many players can who Shaq do you play for? Yeah, who do you play for? Thank you. Yes, uh, yeah, yeah. You know, that's they literally make light of how little they follow the uh, every ins and outs of the sport, and it's the greatest sports, you know, uh, studio show that's ever existed, ever. <laughs> Yeah, you know, I want because well, it isn't really a sports studio show. It's a show. Like it's it's a, it's what would happen. It was like it, it was the first podcast. Is what it basically and, is. And, and <laughs> you know what? Even and even as a as a fan, even though I know they're not following the sport as closely as you know most kind of analysts are, yeah. even though I know that, I'm still there. Their studio shows are appointment television for me. And why is that? It's because it's it sounds from honesty. You know, you yeah. feel like you're watching a genuine discussion about basketball between people that know what they're talking about, you know, yeah. um, people that play the game and that's and that's, love each other, like, and, and actually like care about each other. Like, yes. That's something that, like, yes. that's a, it's a big part of this, but yeah, um, the reason, the reason like they came to mind and the reason JJ came to mind and, and as I was reading your, your, your uh, piece again for the times that um, I will link in the, in the show notes, but uh if you have this kind of boot camp where they are teaching former athletes the the art of the hot take, doesn't that take away from some of that you know originality that that uh, you know authenticity? Does doesn't it somewhat you know if if every if all these guys are going there and like learning how to deliver a hot take and and like one thing that really kind of struck me as I was reading was how a lot of the the hot takes that you know that these guys are kind of sort of being taught sounds alike where they're just kind of shitting on this current iteration of basketball and it's like my game was better and actually I was a better and people forget I was a bucket Paul Paul Pierce is like the the the, the kind of headliner of that of that content does it do you do you think like do you do you think they're potentially creating cookie cutter you know plug in and 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 well, plug in type well, of analysts what well, but why why is that? I, I don't I don't know that I buy that premise because they also took like podcasting lessons in that mm -hmm. camp or color commentary lessons. And why is it that one would be considered like legitimate training, but the hot takes one? It's like you're you're not learn you're learning how to give hot takes, but what you're learning is how to be on television and to deliver yeah. deliver sound bites. Whereas mm -hmm. when you're when you're talking about podcasting, you're it's a different skill. Right. Yeah. Like what you are doing is a different skill than what um, Malik Andrews does. Right. Yeah. And so you're just you're just learning a different skill. And in the case of like the debate show, what you're learning is how do you deliver an argument in a succinct TV friendly way? OK, that that is entertaining. That's what you're learning. And those are skills. Those are skills that those guys have to learn are for television. And you have to get you have to get used to like sitting on the set, uh, looking at a camera, not looking at a camera. You have to get used to like. Excuse me, on a podcast. Not doing that. <laughs> in, a, in, a, in a podcast, you and I kind yeah. of take our time and make have a, this thoughtful discussion. On those shows, you have like 15 seconds to say Nikola Jokic is the fifth best player ever, not number one. You know, you know Nikola Jokic can't carry a team to the NBA championship. You know, he can't do that. You know, blah blah. You have 15 seconds to make your point, and then you got to keep moving, right? Yeah. So you're learning the skills on how to be on television. I mean, I don't see that as you know, inherently problematic. I mean, uh, you know, and at the end of the day, even if it was, even if you were doing it in, in, if you, even if you take the worst faith explanation for this, even mm -hmm. if you do that, guess what? The audiences want it. The audience, yeah. the, what we have learned about what audiences want out of sports programming that isn't live sports is that they love debate shows. That's why they keep doing it. 
you know? Yeah. Um, there's a reason Stephen A. Smith is the biggest star at ESPN. Okay. It's not because of heady beat reporting from 20 years ago. Okay. It's not because it's not, yeah. you know, people, you know, people are interested in, in, in seeing him uh, get, you know, get into these kind of verbal altercations with Chris Russo, with, with JJ Reddick, whomever. And, and, as if and the viewers like really want to see him get taken down a peg or see his partner get taken down a peg, whatever. Yeah. Even if these players are learning how to give hot takes, that's what the market says people want out of their sports talk sports talk shows. As as you were talking, I was thinking like it would be nice if we had some alternate content on those channels, on those platforms, just to see what the response to them would be like. And you know, as I was thinking about that, Bomani and Pablo had their show together, which didn't last very long. And yeah, to a certain extent, that's what happens when an audience that you're hoping to watch TV at that time isn't watching TV at that time. You know, and, and the the day the, the the daytime ESPN viewer um, again is 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 watching that for the reasons that you're talking about. And I guess Pablo and Bomani's show would probably have to succeed a little later at night and uh would would take in a different kind of audience but um what i the next kind of step here is what we're seeing go on with uh mark jackson and jeff van gundy being uh fired by espn um the reports again from strauss and from marchand of uh of their outlets um saying that adam silver is is maybe applying a little bit more pressure to espn to provide, I guess, a friendlier view than certainly Van Gundy was offering in those biggest broadcasts of, of the NBA season. And, um, you know, I wrote about it last night. And initially, look, I, I'm not going to lie. I'm excited to not have to listen to Mark Jackson and, and Jeff Van Gundy, like, yell and scream about how many threes are being taken during a big nationally broadcast game. Um, I am really excited for Doris Burke to get the opportunity that I think she really deserves. I personally would have gone with uh, Richard Jefferson or with JJ in, instead of Doc Rivers, but I also understand it. ESPN wants a head coach in that spot, and he's potentially going to be cheaper because he's currently on an NBA contract. Um, I, I am a little nervous, though, about the NBA having more power at ESPN because I— the NBA isn't interested in like the the creative content industry. They are in the PR industry. They want their league presented as positively as possible. And you know, the example I used when I wrote about it last night was uh, Playmakers. Remember that show in like the early two thousands? Oh, wow. Remember that? And and it was you like don't make me feel old. It's bringing up playmate <laughs> we'll bring up his uh sports uh what was that show that espn had um sports reporters yeah <laughs> oh, oh my gosh they had like they had a poker show nba on nbc yeah <laughs> oh man that's well back. that might be coming back um but yeah, okay. but but um yeah playmakers though was a popular show it was doing pretty well ratings wise it is still fairly critically acclaimed i think it has an eight Point four rating on on IMDb and uh, on Amazon of uh, what people feel about the show now, and it was canceled because the NFL said they didn't like the way that they were even indirectly being presented um, or, or portrayed in in that show, and you know that was kind of a bummer because it was just like 
kind of creative and cool thing that ESPN was trying and succeeding in. And then it was just gone. And, you know, uh, I don't think that we're going to see wholesale change. I think uh, Stephen A has has too much power at ESPN for them to just be like, all right, we're rethinking everything. And, and I don't think that's necessarily going to happen. But I am a little nervous about like what creative pressure the NBA might be applying here. Do you think that's that's uh, misplaced concern? Do you think do you think they could uh, apply so much pressure that the way that they get talked about is is more boring? Or do you think that we might actually see more JJs and more Richard Jeffersons and uh, in place because the NBA likes the way that they talk about the sport more than you know the Stephen A's and maybe the Kendrick Perkins do? So let's put the Disney thing, the ESPN layoffs into the larger context. Okay. Um, which is that ESPN, as, as you know, and your viewers know, is owned by Disney. Disney has really struggled these last couple of years. Uh, I believe theme park attendance is down. Um, ESPN ratings have obviously gone way down, as has the rest of uh, television at large. Mm-hmm. Um, Disney made a big bet on streaming, which hasn't really panned out in the way they wanted it to pan out. And so ESPN and Disney has looked looked to cut costs. And that's where all these layoffs have come from. Yeah. Um, and now ESPN, which which used to be kind of a huge moneymaker for Disney, is no longer a huge moneymaker for Disney. Now it's something yeah. that they are thinking about spinning off. Mm-hmm. Selling. And one of the things that's been reported um, is that ESPN is looking at a couple sports leagues that have par- par- partial ownership of the networks Mm -hmm. now that would be a little bit that would be unprecedented yeah uh now if you think about it you're already there's already been the the leagues have already been in bed with espn right through these broadcast deals that espn pays billions for yep um so is it problematic that a league would have a partial stake in a network that also purportedly does some journalism to hold that league accountable. I mean, one would argue that ESPN hasn't been a journalistic outlet in, in many, many years. It has journalists that yeah. work, there, you know, but mm-hmm. it's not like you can't, you can't on one level pay a league billions and then cover them. And they're not being ethical kind of conflict there. With the NBA partially owning ESPN or whatever, if that, if that ends up happening, that would take it to a new level, right? That's yeah. a then then you're no then you're no longer you know an impartial you can't even claim to be an impartial observer at that point. Should that worry you? Um, I you know it to the extent that it's 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 less independent coverage of a big corporation. Yeah, probably you know. Um, yeah. but. You know. Yeah, I didn't even mention that aspect of it because I just I I this is kind of like me being cynical, probably overly cynical, but I just don't think very many people care about like journalism or they won't care until we find out like actually we should yeah. have really cared all along. But, but yeah. right. It's one of those things like if the NBA has more involvement in like shaping coverage, what that looks like. And there are worlds in which I'm um, let me give you an example of 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 where I could see that being problematic. <clears throat> As you probably saw, I wrote a piece, two pieces now, about <clears throat> excuse me, uh, the Orlando Magic writing under the team name, giving a $50,000 donation to a super PAC dedicated mm-hmm. to the campaign of Ron DeSantis. Mm-hmm. 
Um, you know, like the NBA like does a good job of kind of promoting itself as this socially conscious league. Yeah. What you don't hear about when you when you see that branding, you don't hear about the owners that spend a ton of money yeah. to um undermine to fight back against what the NBA is doing. Yeah. Right? So and this is just one example. Like one example, we, right? you could go through any number of political uh I mean, checks that have been written by these owners for various yeah, yeah for and, for, and for so various lobbying. You could see a world in which ESPN becomes an official PR arm of a league that has a stake in the league, in the in the network, excuse me. And yeah, yeah, is that problematic in the grand scheme of things? Probably. Do fans care? I don't know. I mean, I, I highly doubt it. You yeah. Know? Um, um, you know, fans often don't really care much about journalism in a in a in a meaningful way. They just want to. They just, they they don't want to see how the sausage is made. They don't care. Yeah, yeah. There was the, there was all the reporting done on the way that like Adam Schefter and Adrian Wojnarowski do their. Yeah, I mean, great right? Simple, right? Like, you know, um, you know, and fans don't care. You know? No, <laughs> I was like, "Hey, this probably isn't great." Or, or, or the other example that happened recently was with Shams, right? With, uh, with the draft and who was going second overall, and how he was saying that actually it looks like it might be, uh, Brandon. God, what? How am I already blanking? His name? Uh, yeah, it might be Brandon Miller. Nope, nope. Now it might be Scoot, and nope. Now we're back to Brandon, and, and like the odds kept on changing, and people kept on putting bets on one oh. side or the other, and. And it was I just like, and the, he's uh, employed by FanDuel, so that makes it a little awkward. But and I thought like that would be finally the time that with people's money at stake, that all right, we're gonna finally care about journalism. And now it's, uh, <laughs> it's kind well, of a part. Well, noise. I'm in a bit of an awkward position here because uh, Shams is employed by the New York Times Company, and um, mm -hmm. well, uh, yeah, as, I, I, I'm not. I'm just as am I. Um, I, I, I just continue yeah. to be employed by the New York Times company. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I just, I just throw out examples of, of like the, um, of like you're talking about sports fans being more interested in, in the information and not so much the, the process that lent, that leads to that information being conveyed. And, you know, that's where you and I probably are going to look at some potential conflicts with, ESPN and the NBA partnering the way that they they might and and the NFL like we, we we already saw by the way like during the whole CTE saga we saw what it looked like when yeah, when ESPN that's, where, that's a great example of the CTE saga you know where the journalism matters yeah or you know I look at I mean I didn't do this reporting but I look at my colleagues who wrote about like Deshaun Watson you know yeah that's where the journalism really matters that's where yeah. you know to expose like malfeasance is, 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 is really, you know, important, you know, and, and that's where the journalism really matters. You don't look at, if you don't look at it as a game, okay. Look at it as a company, you know, yeah. and, and, and that's where the journalism really matters. You know, how, yeah. the, how the company uses its platform, how the company treats, you know, um, scandal that breaks, you know, how the company, you know, how, what kind of scandals are there? You know, that's where the journalism really matters and should matter to fans, but I'm not, you know, that's, that's a battle that, that I can't fight, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and at the end of the day, like, you know, this is very much an off season topic and whatever it looks like is, 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 uh, still remains to be seen. And, you know, I think generally speaking, um, it's, it's what I'm really fascinated by is 
because of the state of things at Disney, the NBA might have a little bit more creative power here over them. Um, that might not really be the case as much with Turner and uh, the, 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 you know, the NBA could try to apply whatever pressure they want to the inside the NBA show and, and, and uh, what that looks like and sounds like, but uh, they also like can't because show, it's though, such. <laughs> show that I'm, I'm fully convinced would not care what anyone tells them to say <laughs> about the NBA. I asked, yeah, him, you know, I did a feature on Kenny Smith like three or four years ago. And I asked him how many times he'd gotten a talking to about a company or anybody on the team. I think I asked him how many times they got a talking to like about something they've said on the air. And I, I think he yeah. told me, I think he told me the answer was zero. Yeah. Well, I, I think they're pretty untouchable. Like that show is too popular. I think to be told anything I think they kind of just know like, all right, Chuck's going to say Chuck stuff. I think Chuck even came out the other day and said that he falls asleep during some bad games, um, <laughs> like while on the job. Uh, and, and like, you know, it, it takes a, a, an amount of, of comfort to be, to be willing to come out and say that. And, and look like they've earned it, by the way, it's a great TV show. I don't know how great it is as an NBA show. Um, I don't, I don't know how well they're informing, you know, people who are watching about the NBA, but that clearly isn't the, um, it isn't what they're going for, but yeah, I, I'm really curious what all this is going to look like. I was really interested and fascinated by the response to your piece. Um, and, and do think that like, it was a very online response to it. It, I think most people are going to read that or mo most people, I think did read that and said, you know, off of Twitter, okay, cool. They're, they're helping these guys find a career after, after their playing uh, days are over. Um, I, I think like the response to how dare they force these guys to learn how to give the, the, the hot take and man, all of this content is going to hell because all that matters is the hot take. I think that was a little extreme uh, though. I, you know, to your point, the successes of, you know, JJ and Draymond, maybe eventually like that, that if, if people want more thoughtful stuff about that, then they really should be pulling for the JJs, the Leglers, the, the, you know, the Draymonds of the world, the Richard Jeffersons of the world who, who do offer that. And then the more that they're successful, the more of that stuff that we're going to see. Um, and, and by the way, Richard Jefferson is a great example. Again, a great analyst, someone I really enjoy watching on TV, but he's, he's great on whether whether he's great at the X's nose and basketball or immaterial to me, he's he's funny. He's fun yeah. to watch. That's what makes me want to watch him on television. You know, I don't. Do I really care if he breaks down the, like the one four pick and roll that much? Not really. I mean, honestly, I don't. I just don't. Yeah. I mean, you know, like like I just I just think it's funny. Like when him and Perk go at it on the air, I just think it's great television. That's what matters. Yeah, I I did not have on my like post-career bingo card kevin garnett being like one of the one of the few guys who really props up this era i i would have thought for sure he would have been harder on 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 the sport than he is kevin garnett uh kevin garnett yeah he's 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 very much like alan iverson like alan iverson's like you know post-career has been really interesting because he does like love and adore the sport. I wish he was on more platforms though. I don't, I don't think anybody trusts him to be on those platforms very regularly. 
Um, Garnett's an interesting one though. He's on Showtime and stuff, and he does and he does say a lot of nice things about the league. And I do kind of wonder if if the NBA is going to like slide him in or do what they can to be like, hey, this guy would work on ESPN, just so you guys know. Although him not being able to cuss, I don't think would would go very well either. But <laughs> that is a whole that is a whole bunch of uh, of other. Uh, worms that we could let out of the jar. I, I, I do really appreciate you, Sopan, making time for us here, uh, given how busy everything is. It, I was really disappointed to find out what uh, went on there at the Times with the sports desk, and I'm really pulling for all of you guys. You guys have done incredible work over the years, and uh, I look forward to you know following and supporting your stuff wherever uh, you, you wind up after the, the, everything falls through or goes, goes through with, uh, with the times. Well, thank you so much for having me, man. I'm, 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 uh, look, I'll always be available for you, man. Maybe more available than uh, I was before. So let me know. <laughs> well, you, you and me both. We'll just sit here. We'll just talk on the podcast all the time while, while, good, while we figure this out. Um, again, that is Sopandeb of the, uh, of the times, uh, you can check out his work over there as well as his memoir, which is in his Twitter profile at Sopandev as well. Uh, you can, f- I, 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 I'm really fascinated by this play thing. The, the play thing is just wild to me. It's just, it's such a cool endeavor. And, and, uh, and apparently Lawrence Fishburne was, was at your, uh, was, was at the, the, the staging that you went to and, I'm looking forward to Lawrence Fishburne, uh, you know, being in, being in your play. That's going to be really cool. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's an all South Asian, uh, it's an all South Asian character. So I, I don't, I, I don't know how I can uh, swing that, but you know, I can always write a part of it. There you go. All right. Thank you very much, man. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks, man. Talk soon.